0: My name is Paul Riley, also known as Political Paul, and this is The Riley Rant, a weekly podcast where we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. Let's rant. Thank you for tuning in to the 25th official episode of The Riley Rant. As was noted in the intro, we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. And this week, I want to focus on the political. I thought it would be tone-deaf, I thought it would be inconceivable for me to put on a rant this week and to not acknowledge the take-a-knee protests that have been taking place within the NFL, the NBA memo that was just released uh, yesterday from the commissioner and the league brass around players not kneeling or sitting for the anthem but standing up that this is a contentious topic that is being talked about not only from trump's twitter account but on news networks across the country and communities across the country as people try to grapple with this idea of taking a knee what it symbolizes and what is trying to be accomplished and so i thought it was only wise that i focus this week's rant this 25th rant on taking a stand and taking a knee. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I hope that you'll take something from this. So as we think about this idea of taking a stand and taking a knee, which is the title of this episode, I want to leave you with three nuggets that I hope will give you more context and clarity on how I think about the movement and that I hope that you'll take with you this week and and as you begin to discuss this, not only in the NFL but with the topics that are going to arise once the NBA season starts and really seeing if players get involved as many owners and NFL players have in the NFL season thus far. And so the first thing that I want to leave you with is this idea that all of us, whether you're an athlete, a student, or someone working in corporate America, an entrepreneur, you have to get off of the sidelines. And if you've been following the Riley Rand, you know that I have not pushed out an episode in a couple of weeks. And that's primarily due to the fact that I spent... A week and a half or so traveling back to the east coast where i'm from so for those of you who don't know i'm based in san francisco i moved out here after college but i've grown up in philadelphia i'm an east coast boy by heart and i was able to go back for an extended period of time to visit new york to then visit my hometown of philadelphia to celebrate my grandma's birthday and then after those two stops i spent a week in washington dc attending the congressional black caucus foundation's 47th annual legislative conference As someone who loves politics, people call me political Paul. I'm a political junkie. This was my Super Bowl. This was my World Series to spend this week in the political capital of the world and of the United States, at least, uh, to learn about how experts and political leaders and business leaders are thinking about topics uh, with the theme of Maya Angelou's poem, And Still I Rise. And so really enjoyed my time there. But while there, I got to hear from some iconic figures in politics, African-Americans in politics, John Lewis, the civil rights icon, And Maxine Waters, who many know as Auntie Maxine, who have both been credited with raising their voices to defend people of color, whether it be John Lewis throughout the civil rights movement and throughout his time in Congress, or Maxine Waters, who has been in politics for many years, but who has come to prominence with the rise of Trump and her resistance to Trump and really encouraging others to stand up. But I share this story because both John Lewis and Maxine Waters touched on that first nugget that I had just alluded to, this idea that we have to get off of the sidelines. John Lewis, in a panel that I attended, he basically said, we have to start creating good trouble. We have to start making people uncomfortable. And he echoes this same sentiment when he was on the House floor with his colleagues and he decided to do a sit-in. And Katie Mettler of The Washington Post, she eloquently captures his comments on that House floor as he was leading uh, some of his members in the House, Democratic members, in a sit-in to fight for legislation, I believe, that was centered on gun rights. And he basically says, Sometimes you have to do something out of the ordinary. Sometimes you have to make a way out of no way. We have been too quiet for too long. There comes a time when you have to say something, when you have to make a little noise, when you have to move your feet. This is the time. Now is the time to get in the way. The time to act is now. We will be silent no more. The time for silence is over. And so here you have John Lewis, a civil rights icon, telling us that we have to start making people feel uncomfortable. We have to start making noise. We have to start moving our feet. We cannot wait. We cannot be silent. Along a similar vein, you have Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Uh, She was at a civil rights town hall at the conference in a a big ballroom for people to get involved in the process and to stop sitting on the sidelines. And she notes, and I'm paraphrasing some of her comments, but she notes, we have been shut down because others have defined us. Don't let these people intimidate or scare you. you got to get in the fight. And you got to be in the fight to make some sacrifices, to understand when you're winning, to continue to work to make things happen. And I want to tell you, it is time to take off the handcuffs. It's time to get in it. It's time to call it like it is. Don't come here and tell me, Maxine, you keep on doing what you're doing. When are you going to give me some support? And so that was a big theme throughout the conference. Uh, For many of the panels, the panelists, and the speakers, it was around how are we going to get off the sidelines? In the era of Trump, how are we going to proactively stand up Allow our voices to be heard as you fight for what you believe is right. And so, as we talk about this idea of getting off of the sidelines, I think it provides a nice segue into this hashtag take a knee movement that's been in existence since 2016, but that's sort of reignited passions and really re entered our mainstream with the president tweeting about it, with people from pundits to high school athletes getting involved in the movement and sharing their opinions. I thought this was a nice segue, this idea of getting off the sidelines to really shine a light on and, and provide a backstory and some context on this take a knee and what Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed were seeking to accomplish in 2016 when they started this. So for those of you who aren't familiar, in August of 2016, Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed of the San Francisco 49ers decide that they're they're going to take a stand. And Colin Kaepernick describes it in an interview with the NFL media in 2016 when he notes, I'm not going to stand up to show pride in the flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. To me, this is bigger than football and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies in the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder. So from this quote, we see that Colin Kaepernick and and later Eric Reed are um, sitting uh, when the national anthem is being played because they want to silently protest what they see as injustice, and what they see as a country espousing certain beliefs through song and through symbol, but not really living it out in day-to-day actions and practices. And so we get Colin Kaepernick's take on why he decided uh, not to, to stand during the national anthem. But then you have Eric Reid, who re- writes an op-ed in the New York Times on September 25, 2017, so fairly recently, and he's sort of describing how he and Colin got to this idea of kneeling. And so initially it started out as Colin Kaepernick taking a seat, And they basically meet with veterans and decide that a more respectful tone and gesture would be to kneel. And Eric Reid goes into detail when he notes, After hours of careful consideration, and even a visit from Nate Boyer, a retired Green Beret and former NFL player, we came to the conclusion that we would kneel rather than sit the next day during the anthem as a peaceful protest. We chose the nil because it's a respectful gesture. I remember thinking our posture was like a flag flown at half-mast to mark a tragedy. It baffles me that our protest is still being misconstrued as disrespectful to the country, flag, and military personnel. We chose it because it's exactly the opposite. It has always been my understanding that the brave men and women who fought and died for our country did so to ensure that we could live in a fair and free society, which includes the right to speak out in protest. So you have... Colin Kaepernick talking about his motivation to get involved around the treatment of black and brown people in the country. You have Eric Reid, his teammate who participated, who's adding more context and saying we were not in any way, shape or form trying to be disrespectful. We were trying to be sensitive to the perspectives of veterans so much so that we sat down and had conversations with veterans to figure out the best medium ground for us to make a statement and to peacefully protest, but to do so in a way that wasn't disrespectful to the women and men who died and served defending and protecting that flag. And so you have Colin Kaepernick's perspective, you have Eric Reed, but then you also have Nate Boyer, who is the Army veteran or one of the Army veterans that they consulted when thinking about how they go about this protest in a way that's respectful to all. And Nate Boyer, he notes uh, on Snopes.com, this is sort of a fact-checking website, they sort of document his sort of press coverage and how he describes the events, and they hone in on a town hall that he did with CNN on September twenty seventh, 2017, and he notes, Kaepernick reached out, and we were able to sit down together for a couple of hours before the last preseason game last year. It was really cool to hear him just listen, too, and be very open-minded, too, and say, Look, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt your brothers and sisters. I showed him text messages of friends of mine, and some of them were saying I was a disgrace to the Green Berets because I was even meeting with him. And some of them were like, I'm with you, man, but it really hurts me to see that. So when I talked to them, it was mutual. Me, him, and Eric Reed said... I think maybe taking a knee would be a little more respectful. It's still a demonstration. You're still saying something, but people take a knee to pray. So for me, it was a common ground, at least to start from. And so when you look at the high level of Maxine Waters and and John Lewis telling us to get off the sidelines. And then you have NFL players deciding to literally uh, get off the sidelines and take a knee to protest the treatment of black and brown people in the country. And then when you do a little more digging online, you get more context to say they wanted to do so in a way that was getting their point across, but also trying to be respectful to the men and women who served to not to say this is a, a slight against you or disrespecting you or your service, but it is to say that we have the right to free speech, we have the right to freedom of expression, and we want to express our discontent and our frustration with systems that perpetuate and allow for the killing of black people, that allow for the heinous and ridiculous treatment of people of color in this country, so much so that you have national and, and global watchdogs and watch groups actually calling out the united states for its treatment of black and brown people that we want to stand up and, and make a statement about this in a way that we deem is going to be impactful and that's going to get our point across and so when you look at it from that context you have to see that there are people particularly Colin kaepernick and eric Reed, who are trying to get off the sidelines but they also fall victim uh, to allowing other people to define them and to take over with incorrect narratives. And this is something that Maxine Waters told us to be on the lookout for in that blurb that I shared with you earlier in the episode around not allowing people to define you. And that leads me to my second point. So once you get off the sidelines, you have to stop letting others define you or take over with their sort of incorrect narratives, with their stereotypes, or with their just false facts that they're espousing and spreading to other people. And that's what Trump did in Huntsville, Alabama at a campaign stop for Luther Strange, who was running to be the Republican nominee for the senatorial elections in Alabama. At this campaign rally, as many of you may know, the president behind the podium says, wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, he's fired. When you hear that that quote, you know people are often taken aback. But I think what's even more important in this quote is to look at how, again, people are taking over and trying to change and promote an incorrect narrative. As I mentioned before, Eric and Colin Kaepernick did this not to disrespect the flag or to disrespect the people who served. They went to great lengths to have deep and meaningful conversations with veterans to find a way to develop a middle ground for their voices to be heard through a statement, but also being conscientious and aware of how it might be perceived by others. You see all this thoughtfulness going into the protests, going into the process, but then in in one line, the president sort of co-ops the narrative and moves it away from shining a light on the treatment of black and brown people in this country, which is what the kneeling sought to accomplish at the onset of this movement. And now you go from treatment of black and brown people to disrespecting the flag. And if you look at the coverage that's been taking a place in the news media and online and on social media, it's really moved away from, we're not even talking about the treatment of black and brown people in the country. We're talking about whether or not they're disrespecting the flag, whether or not they're disrespecting our veterans. And this is an example of how When you get off the sidelines, how you have to be careful not to allow other people to define you with incorrect narratives. And we see this so many times when people of color come together to fight against something. When you look at Black Lives Matter, people are are fighting for the rights of black and brown people, in particular police brutality, in light of Trayvon Martin and and others. And what happens? People come in and they co-opt the narrative. Black Lives Matter's movement to raise awareness around the treatment of black and brown people in this country gets co-opted and whenever we talk about black lives matter now we're talking about how they're violent how they're calling cops pigs how they're police haters and so you have an example where people of color are coming together in a movement and people seek to define and co-opt the movement with incorrect narratives to say oh no they're not talking about black and brown people and uplifting them they're talking about how much they hate police and how they're tearing down communities and we lose that focus uh, which was the central focus of the movement to people coming in and redefining what we seek to accomplish and the same is happening with take a knee Again, the initial focus, treatment of black and brown people in this country, Kaepernick and Reed are kneeling to shine a light on how we're not living up to those symbols and those ideals. And now, a year later, almost a year to the date, we're talking about how they're disrespecting the flag. And so it's interesting to see how when people of color uh, come together to protest and to use their First Amendment right to freedom of speech and freedom of expression, their movements are oftentimes co-opted and redefined that months into it, We're not talking about the central issues. Instead, we're talking about whatever narrative or whatever stereotype or whatever false or incorrect narrative someone tried to throw into the mainstream to define the movement. So you have, on the one hand, this uh, common instance where movements where people of color are expressing their right to peacefully protest, where they're being redefined. But then you also have a dynamic where this movement has moved away from the treatment of black and brown lives to the NFL now trying to co-opt it to show that they are for equality and to protect their brand. And Jamil Smith, the journalist, he touches on this eloquently in the Washington Post, and he notes, In a different life, I worked for years as an NFL films producer, making what our beloved boss, the late Steve Sable, called football movies. I know a good marketing gambit for the league when I see one. We'll surely see poignant images, expertly photographed, of players linking arms and looking stoic. They know the pain of institutional racism intimately, despite their sudden wealth. The NFL is about 70% black, These men understand a lot about what comes with looking the way we do in America. But the images, particularly with billionaires like Snyder, needling their way into them, serve to dilute the specific meaning of Kaepernick's protest. Even if these players' linking arms are down for the cause, they put themselves out there to be packaged by a league that has never truly embraced Kaepernick's movement. As their bosses sell the brand instead of calling for justice, the branding worked. Look at this week's cover of Sports Illustrated complete with a photo illustration of 10 people linking arms, but not Kaepernick, and the tagline, a nation divided, sports united. And so you you see whether it's from a political standpoint trying to derail movements by miscategorizing them or or pushing these false narratives around what they're seeking to do, uh, similar to Black Lives Matter or this Take a Knee protest, you have that on the one hand, but then on the other hand you have an instance where the NFL and owners are trying to co-opt the narrative to say, look, we are about equality, trying to protect the, the brand and saying the nation's divided, but look at us. We're a team in a sport that is united. And in a similar fashion, we take the conversation again away from the treatment of black and brown people, which is what compelled Kaepernick and Reid to act in the ways they did. And we now move towards branding and towards showing equality and how the NFL supports freedom of speech without ever really addressing anything. So in a sense, you're doing a whole lot without doing much at all. And so that's what you have to deal with when it comes to getting off of the sidelines and, and looking at how people will try to control the narrative and co-opt the narrative to make themselves look good or to tap into their own agendas. And so for Trump, it's realizing uh, that this past week health care failed, realizing that he's been critiqued for his actions or, or lack of action in Puerto Rico. When you look at his health and human services secretary, Tom Price, having to resign. When you look at all of these different stories and these critiques that are being launched at this administration this past week, we see Trump trying to co-op a narrative to rouse up his base uh, through creating cultural divides and and culture wars and and mischaracterizing a protest to really rouse up his base after a week of significant losses. But then on the other hand, you have an NFL that's trying to protect its brand, uh, that's trying to do a lot without doing anything at all i um, am trying to create this unity and, and peaceful uh, narrative and, and, and photo collage without really addressing the issue. And we see that most poignantly and we see that directly in the fact that even though these owners are linking arms or kneeling or issuing statements, Kaepernick still does not have a job. And so, as Jamil Smith was saying, you have a league that's trying to protect his brand and that's espousing his beliefs of equality and empowering their players to protest, but they're still not fully addressing and acknowledging the meaning of Kaepernick's protest. And they've ultimately blackballed him from the league. And you have to wonder why Kaepernick doesn't have that job. I think many people would attribute it to him coming off of the sidelines, uh, him taking a stand or or taking a knee. But when you think about this, I want us to think about it also from uh, the historical context. So while at the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation's annual legislative conference, I got to also sit on a panel with Rashad Robinson. And so Rashad Robinson, he's the executive director of Color of change and color change is an organization uh, that seeks to use uh, the internet and social media to really generate action and movements. and so when something happens they can apply pressure to brands to take action they can get people across the web mobilized and participating in their different campaigns and they've been very effective and you can check out their website for some of the wins they've had on some of their campaigns but rashad robinson the executive director of color of change He was on a panel, and he was basically giving us a historical context around movements. And he's basically saying, firstly, we would not be having these conversations that we're having today if Kaepernick didn't kneel. So if he had never taken a knee, we probably would never be talking about this and and raising awareness around these issues. But then he shined a light on the civil rights movement, and he notes how at the heart of the civil rights movement, they didn't really have that much support. He states that the support was in the 30s in terms of people's approval of what they were doing in the civil rights movement. And so his point was that it will never be a right time for people of color to stand up because uh, when we look back at the civil rights movement and we celebrate some of the leaders and icons, we oftentimes overlook the fact that this was not popular, uh, that this had a support of a minority of, of Americans. And years later, we look back with pride on the courage of those fearless leaders. But his main point was that you know oftentimes these things don't start out as popular, and so we shouldn't be surprised that we're seeing backlash and resistance. But his other point uh, was that it would never be a right time. For people of color to protest and to speak up. And then when people of color ultimately seek to speak up, they're always uh, trying to be controlled or told the best way in which they can protest so they don't make people feel uncomfortable. And Trevor Noah of The Daily Show, he sort of pokes fun at it in one of his rants. But he touches on something very real. And he says, it's wrong to do it in the streets. It's wrong to do it in the tweets. You cannot do it on the field. You cannot do it if you've kneeled. And don't do it if you're rich, you ungrateful son of a bitch. Because there's one thing that's a fact you cannot protest if you're black. And people laughed and, and at that sort of monologue or that rant, but he was touching on something that many are, are talking about in something that Rashad Robinson was alluding to uh, in that previous uh, quote that I, I gave you, where they're talking about how will never be a, a, the right time for people of color to get actively involved in the process, that you can't do it on the field, you can't do it if you've done this. If you have money, you need to shut up. If you don't have money, you need to work on getting money and stop focusing on these other issues. And, and then basically getting to the point that what really matters is that if you're black, you're not expected to protest to a certain extent. But this is not only shared by Rashad Robinson and Trevor Noah, but also by Martin Luther King. And when we talk about Martin Luther King, we often talk about it's not about the color of your skin, but the content of your character or, you know, the I have a dream speech or how we shall overcome. But Martin Luther King in April of 1963 was touching on this very same issue in his letter from a Birmingham jail. He notes, first, I must confess that over the last few years, I've been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the negro's great stumbling block in the stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the ku klux klanner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal that you seek, but I can't agree with your methods of direct action, who paternalistically feels he can set the timetable for another man's freedom who lives by the myth of time, and who constantly advises the Negro to wait until a more convenient season. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. And so from Rashad Robinson of Color of Change, from Trevor Noah of The Daily Show, and even the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, you have people who are saying very similar things across very different time periods. And they're basically saying that for people of color... We're always going to be told that it's never the right time to take a stand. Or if you do take a stand, you have to do it in this way or in this fashion. We have to move beyond this paradigm where people of color are told what they can and cannot protest. And then when they're afforded the right to protest, the ways in which they ought to protest, the ways in which they ought to make their voices heard. And so that's something that we have to keep in mind is that firstly, you have to get off the sidelines. But then once you get off the sidelines, you have to be careful not to let other people define you or to take over with their incorrect narratives. And why is that this leads me to my third point it's because people are hypocrites and they will tell you one thing and do the exact opposite that when you seek to get off the sidelines when you seek to get into the fight you have to not let people define you or try to co opt your movement with incorrect narratives ultimately because people are hypocrites and this hypocrisy is most evident and most noted in a post that's been actually circulating around twitter And it's a post that sort of touches on the hypocrisy of supporting Trump, but critiquing these NFL players who were going against the anthem. And I thought it was eye-opening, illuminating, and I wanted to share it all with you. Unfortunately, the screenshot of the post is is done in a way where you can't really make out the name of the person who wrote the post. Uh, But from what I can tell, it looks like the person's name is Kamisis Daka, uh, K-A-M-E-S-E-S, D-A-A-K-A. So I, I tried to do some research, but I couldn't really find the specific author but nevertheless wanted to share this post. He notes, In honor of NFL Boycott Sunday, some on-point words courtesy of a friend. If you voted for someone who said he prefers soldiers who don't get captured, who insulted the parents of a Gold Star captain, who said he knew more than the generals, who said he always wanted a Purple Heart, who dodged the draft, who called the U.S. military a disaster, please don't pretend that you're angry at those who kneel during the anthem because it's disrespectful to our military. And if you voted for that person because he's not politically correct and he says what's on his mind, please don't tell me that kneeling during the anthem is wrong. And if you voted for a reality show star because he's an outsider and not a career politician, please don't tell me that athletes shouldn't voice their political views. And if you voted for him because he cares about the Constitution, please don't tell me that people shouldn't exercise their right to free speech. And if you voted for him because, despite his wealth and comfortable life, he was willing to go out there be made a target, and say what's really wrong with this country, please don't tell me that black athletes should just shut up and be grateful to be rich. And that post is eye-opening because it touches on the hypocrisy that we're seeing in the critiques of these protests, that the very same people who are getting roused up and riled up by Trump's rhetoric around firing these SOBs and kicking them off the field and they're disrespecting our flag, are the same people that supported a man who attacked our military, who attacked a prisoner of war. They're critiquing wealthy athletes for standing up when they gave and voted for Donald Trump because he was a wealthy man, putting himself out there, speaking on the ills of the country, being made a target for what he believed in. And so when you look at it from that perspective, you begin to see the blatant hypocrisy of people's critique of NFL players kneeling and taking a stand for causes that they believe in. Last I checked, we had a First Amendment that guaranteed people rights to freedom of speech and to freedom of expression. And when you tell someone they ought to be fired for peacefully protesting, you're going against the Constitution. You're not defending the rights that, as Eric Reed notes, he thought these veterans fought for us to have, the right to peacefully protest. and even even Nate Boyer, the Green Beret former NFL player who consulted with Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick around kneeling versus sitting, he even notes that while he may not agree with every aspect of the hashtag take a knee movement, he understands that he fought so that people would have the right to decide if they're going to participate in protests in that manner. And so that's why at the highest levels, you have to be comfortable with getting off of the sidelines and you have to stop letting others define you and and, and take over with their incorrect narratives. Primarily because people are oftentimes hypocritical and they'll tell you one thing and do the exact opposite. They'll tell you to shut up and stop being ungrateful. You're wealthy. Stop complaining. But then cheer on a man who's wealthy, who stepped out of his own comfort and spoke about the problems with this country and was rewarded with the presidency. The people who are critiquing you and telling you not to do these things are the same people who voted for someone because he did those very same things. So when you look at this blatant hypocrisy, I hope that it will encourage you to see why people are protesting in the way that they're they're protesting, and why people are going about it in the way that they're going about it. James Baldwin, iconic author, thought leader, he notes, I love America more than any other country in this world. And exactly for this reason, I insist on the right to criticize her perpetually. And that's what you have these NFL athletes and owners and players and pundits and high school students and college students doing. They're criticizing a country that they love deeply and that they want to see be better and do better and do right by its citizens. And so that's how I think we ought to think about the Take a Knee movement, the protest. I think that we should keep our eyes out for how NBA players respond to these protests in light of that NBA memo uh, that was released. Because as John Lewis notes, it's time for us to start getting into some good trouble. It's time for us to start moving and to not remain silent as maxine waters notes it's time for us to take the handcuffs off and to get into the fight rashad robinson of color of change tells us that movements for justice and equality are never initially popular trevor noah jokes about how it would never be a good time or a good form for black people to protest mlk talks about how people prefer order to justice and how they'll ask you to wait for equality and request it on terms that are acceptable and comfortable for them you have the facebook post that reveals the blatant hypocrisy around whose speech is truly free and valued whose actions are celebrated and whose are silenced and who is seen as american and un-american when they are doing the same thing so when trump is doing the very same thing that these nfl players are doing namely speaking up about what's wrong with the country putting himself out there, as some of his supporters would say, uh, and, and, and taking a risk to be made a target. You know, we see NFL players doing this, but one is seen as American and the other is seen as un-American. One is celebrated and one group, namely the NFL players, were trying to silence. It's time for us all to get in the fight in ways that we see fit. As O. Smith notes, that journalist that I cited earlier in the episode, athletes, especially those who wear a helmet for a living, must know that they have limited windows for communicating their truths to the American public. Protests during the anthem are their best avenue. But what's your avenue going to be? You may not be on the field in front of millions each week, but what can and are you going to do to make your voice heard in the classroom, in the break room, or in the dorm room? More than being about the flag and the anthem, this take-a-knee protest is about police brutality and the treatment of black and brown people in America. So whether you're taking a knee or taking a stand, just keep moving and don't stay silent. Thanks again for tuning into the 25th official episode of The Riley Rant. I hope that you got something from this episode around take a stand, take a knee, and I hope that you have more clarity on how I think about these issues. You first have to get off the sidelines – You then, once off the sidelines, have to stop allowing others to define you or to take over your fight for social justice with incorrect narratives because ultimately people are hypocrites and they'll tell you one thing and do the exact opposite. They'll critique you for doing one thing and celebrate someone else for doing the very same thing. And so I hope that this will give you the courage and the confidence to speak up to stand up in the ways that you see fit and to realize that though we're getting distracted with this being focused on the flag and the anthem, that is much deeper. It's about how we treat people in this country. It's about how we strive to create a more perfect union. It's about how we are responsive to the needs and the desires and the sentiments of the oft-forgotten and oft-ignored in this society. So take your stand, take your knee. Just don't stay silent. Remember, if it's Sunday, it's time to rant. If it's Sunday... It's the Riley rant.